This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Congressman Jimmy Panetta, representing the 20th District of California. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance, supporting America's sugar producers and saluting all of agriculture for continuing to feed America. The COVID-19 pandemic has wrecked havoc on California's Central Valley and the many specialty crops its farmers provide for the nation. Congressman Jimmy Panetta is very pleased with amendments announced last week by the USDA for the CFAP program. They expanded the list of specialty crops that CFAP applies to, which is what we continue to bang on them to do. And then second of all, they allowed certain commodities within specialty crops, so onions, pistachios, peppermint, spearmint, walnuts, and watermelons, to actually get uh, CARES Act funding for sales losses rather than just be eligible for payments on marketing adjustments. And then third, actually I got a fourth too, third, uh, going forward, producers uh, who apply for CFAP will get 100% of their total payment, which is pretty good not to exceed their payment limit. And then fourth, we got word that the uh, the deadline to apply for CFAP, the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, has been extended from August 28th to September 11th, 2020. So, it you know, I wanted to start off with positive because I'm a positive guy and I like to do that. But there have been improvements that have been made, have been needed, and we've continued to push the USDA to make these types of improvements. And so I'm I want to start off with that good news because I think that's deserved because although at first it, it just like a lot of things in this pandemic, especially when it comes to some of these relief packages, the intent is good behind them, but there's a lot of bumps in the roads to get to good. And we've got over some bumps with the CFAP. We're getting to good, but it takes some constant push in this position with the USDA. And I'm more than happy to do that because that's my job. My job is to make bureaucracy work for the people I represent, and we are doing that slowly but surely, especially when it comes to coronavirus food assistance program. I was asked the other day, you know, why why did you get on the the Ag Committee uh, there in Congress? And the reason is because obviously here on the Central Coast, yes, we have a lot of beauty. If you've ever been here, you know that. But also we have a lot of bounty, and specialty crops make up that bounty. There's a reason why we have so many Appalachians. Uh, what I mean by that, everybody knows I come from the salad bowl of the world, but we got the berry bowl of the world, we got the garlic capital of the world, we got the artichoke capital, and so on and so forth. And so we have a number of specialty crops, and one of the things they pride themselves on is that they haven't had to rely on subsidies. They're uh, such a good product and, and, and produce so well that they haven't had to rely on these types of subsidies. And so when you have a new program like this, you have producers who aren't used to going to the FSA, and you have the USDA who aren't used to uh, synthesizing the data necessary to provide this type of funding. And so it's taken work on my part, on other members' part, to continue to push the USDA and to continue to push our producers to provide that data, to work with the USDA, to work with their FSA, so that the USDA has that data and can get this information out there and can get this funding out there. And as we're seeing based on the announcement, we're getting there. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that, in that uh, we're, we're seeing uh, the CFAP get out there slowly but surely. How's that? Does a new coronavirus assistance package need to specifically spell out items for the Department of Agriculture, 
or are you comfortable with giving the secretary flexibility to react where needed? Well, look, I, I, I think Congress needs to play an, an instrumental part in that in ensuring that our interests are always spelled out, especially when it comes to the USDA. And the USDA understands that, and I think they appreciate that that is our job, to continue to fight for our interest as members who represent all different types of agriculture. The USDA knows that they're going to hear from us and that they're going to hear from us basically promoting our producers, promoting our agriculture, and ensuring that they hear that loud and clear so that they can help them accordingly. We're just asking for the fair share, and USDA understands we're going to make sure that our producers get our fair share. At the time of our conversation, the negotiations are still ongoing with regard to a new assistance package. Senator Stabenow is calling for a 15% increase in SNAP benefits. I know you serve on the Nutrition Subcommittee of the House Ag Committee. What changes would you have brought to CFAP, or what would you like to see in a new round with regard to nutrition? Oh, gosh, no, I I think Senator Stabenow is doing a good job in that bill, and I think that's a bill I definitely support, and I think that's important. But at the same time, look, when it comes to nutrition, we had a hearing, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, put on by Marsha Fudge, the subcommittee chairman for the Nutrition Subcommittee in which we had a people who worked at uh, food banks come in and talk. And uh, the, some of the quotes that resonated with me, some of the answers they give were, one, we're not going to food bank our way out of this pandemic. And, look, I go out to food banks every single week to help out and help distribute their items, and these lines are growing. And you're seeing it, basically, the lines get longer and longer, unfortunately. Just some of the stats that I can tell you, the Food Bank of Monterey County here was doing a great job. Before the pandemic, they were serving 13,000 families a month. After the pandemic, they're now serving 60,000 families per week at 54 distribution sites. That's just in Monterey County. So the need is there. But it also goes to the next thing that these witnesses said. Both of them said this, and that the best way to provide nutrition for the families that need it the most is through the supplemental nutrition assistance programs. So that's why a a temporary increase of SNAP benefits by 15% is something that I completely advocate for, as well as a permanent increase for the minimum benefit from $18 to $30 is is the appropriate way to go because right now our food security although our producers are doing an excellent job and our farm farmers and farm workers are doing an excellent job ensuring our food security you have to realize that getting the food on to tables of people who need it the most they're very vulnerable right now to going hungry and it's only getting worse and so we have to do our job to make sure that the most efficient and equitable way out there and that is snap is bolstered and enhanced and supported. And so I think that's exactly why we included that in the HEROES Act that passed. And I do hope that in the eventual negotiations that I we hope continue, that that is included as well. Ms. Pingree was disappointed that not many, if any, of her producers were able to participate in the Family Food Box program, and none of the, her constituents were receiving uh, any uh, assistance in the form of, of actual food boxes. How do you evaluate uh, the program and your area? How would you amend it if you could? Look, we appreciate the effort in having a well-intentioned program like the uh, the Families Food Box program. And uh, that was uh, also part of that hearing where some officials from the USDA came in and talked about it. And once again, any type of 
uh, program as big as this, put out as quickly as this, has some hiccups. And one of the hiccups with the family with the food box program is that they're relying on distributors to take the food and then get it out there. They're creating middlemen. They're kind of recreating the wheel. And that's where I believe I I, I think why not use the wheel that we have that's proven itself, and that's supplemental nutrition assistance programs. So. Once again, although the Family's Food Box program is well-intentioned, there are some hurdles with it that we're having a hard time getting over. And my attitude is let's just continue to uh, dance with Ubracha. And what I mean by that is let's continue to make sure that we support the one thing that helps people the most when it comes to nutrition, and that's SNAP. There's criticism of the 18 Farm Bill saying that it's inadequate. Hard to write a policy that would match up to the challenge that we have seen but from your perspective, Congressman, does it need to be revised early, and is this opening any sort of a Pandora's box? I've learned to to listen uh, very closely to what Chairman Peterson has to say, and I, I learned that early on uh, in my time on the Ag Committee. And Colin always says, we're not going to reopen the Farm Bill, and I think that's an appropriate attitude. But that goes to your point, then let's start talking about the next one, and let's start talking about it now so we can put in place these negotiations that need to be done in order to have an appropriate farm bill. Look, I have to admit, I mean, let me tell you, the worst time I had in Congress, the worst day I had in Congress was when I had to vote against the 2018 farm bill. Let me tell you why. Because something that should be so bipartisan turned out to be very partisan, and it shouldn't have been. Why? Because the majority at that time put forward instrumental changes to the SNAP program that we never even talked about it. They tried shoving it down uh, our throats. And that is where you want to talk about having changes to something so important, to something so vital to the nutrition of so many families in our country. Then let's start talking about it now. Don't try to shove it down our throats. Let's make sure we have these negotiations that actually go towards meaningful change and have both sides at the table to do it. And that takes time. That's not going to be easy. And so I believe that if there is going to be those types of improvements or those types of changes for such important programs, let's start talking about them now, knowing that we have the next farm bill to work towards. Here's a fresh question for you. How do you feel about a Biden-Harris ticket and what it means for rural America and agriculture? Yeah, well, look, I think Vice President Biden understands uh, where he comes from and his background. I think he understands the importance of agriculture to this country, and, and not just as a food security point, but as a cultural point. I think the men and women who work in agriculture are pretty much the heart and soul when it comes to the backbone of this country. I, I firmly mean that. And that's why I like representing people in agriculture, because I like giving back to the people who work their butts off to produce a product that everybody appreciates. And they are... They're doing what I learned early on. People in agriculture uh, have to pivot. I mean, they're dealing with what I call the four M's, and that's the market conditions, immigration. It's not an M, but it sounds like an M. Immigration, uh, the mandates, and Mother Nature. And and that makes them tougher. That makes them better. And the least we can do is support them. And I believe that Vice President Biden understands that, 
and having personally worked with Kamala Harris in the Alameda County District Attorney's Office, we were both deputy DAs at the time, I can tell you, being from California, the number one agriculture-producing state, she values people in agriculture, she values her agriculture, and I do believe that a Biden-Harris ticket, they will continue to be champions. They will be champions of something that's so important, not just to California, but to our country, and that's our agriculture. Well, COVID-19 has been a trying time for the industry and for farmers. How about the farm workers in your state? How widespread are the infections and what challenges are they facing right now in this? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this up. A large number of our cases here on the Central Coast of COVID-19 are uh, from the uh, farm worker community, unfortunately. I have to say I'm very proud of my local counties, especially Monterey County, early on, they stepped up, worked with farm workers and farmers to implement recommendations when it comes to the production and when it comes to farm workforce safety. And that actually spread. That was a model that many other farm bureaus and other counties throughout California and hopefully the country use to protect their farm workers. And so I believe that our producers have done a good job. We need to support our producers, and I, and I believe we've done that, and we need to continue to do that to provide the USDA, I believe, with a program so that they can fund uh, the PPE, the testing, and other areas when it comes to protecting our farm workers. And I think we need to do that, but it's also education. I spoke with somebody yesterday, and I said, where are do you think the farm workers that have COVID-19 where do you think they're getting from it? Be it is their housing, is it their uh, job site, is it something else? And she said something else. It's a lot of social gatherings. Now, that being said, I think we need to continue to focus on not just providing our producers with PPE, making sure that they mandate that PPE, but also educating our farm workers and providing more housing, uh, grants for farm worker housing so that they can have these areas where they're not all jammed into one area. I think there's a number of areas that we can focus on from paid sick leave, from essential pay, child care. There's a number of ways that we can provide for the safety of our farm workers, and we're continuing to do that in Congress. And that's exactly why, if you look at the HEROES Act that we passed, you did see a number of elements in there that addressed some of the things that I just talked about it, uh, from transportation to PPE, from housing as well. Look, I think around here on the Central Coast, housing is very important uh, when it comes to, well, it's, a, it's a, one of the top issues, but especially when it comes to farm worker housing. And we're going to continue to make sure that we have the grants necessary so that they can be housed appropriately, be it during this pandemic or thereafter. And we did that in the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, the immigration bill, the, the, la- the ag labor bill, that uh, provided a pathway for those who work in agriculture and earn their citizenship, but also streamlined the H-2A process for those who were willing to come into this country and contribute to our agriculture as farm workers. A big segment of that was a millions in grants for farm worker housing, and that needs to be continued to be advocated when it comes to the safety of our farm workers now, but also going forward thereafter. Do you have adequate provisions for PPE devices for your workers? When you say provisions, look, I believe that the producers have stepped up and are continuing to provide the PPE that's necessary, continuing to provide separated workspace out in the fields, providing the guards between the plastic between each person out in the fields 
continuing to provide more transportation so that farm workers are not all crammed together on buses. There has to be testing as well, as well as more housing. So, look, there there always needs to be more, especially with this pandemic. And that's the biggest issue with this pandemic is, yes, you can say, oh, we provided PPE. It's not enough right now. More needs to be out there. And, so I, I, you know, that's why I'm continuing to advocate, as I did in uh, last week's appropriations bill. Myself and Republican Congress member Dan Newhouse put forward an amendment to advise the Ag Approach Subcommittee to make sure that there is the appropriate funding for PPE for our producers. So it's a, it's a constant battle that we're going to have to do. So it's, it's more work needs to be done, uh, and I look forward to being a part of that. So with regard to the Farm Worker Modernization Act, I'll just bring you this blanket question. How long does immigration reform remain a bridesmaid in Washington? Oh, man, I know, I know. Trust me, it's it's a question that uh, we're continuing to ask, but I'm, I'm going to be frank. I do believe that when you have an administration that has a cornerstone of anti-immigration rhetoric, it makes it very difficult for a number of reasonable Congress members to get on board with something like this and senators to get on board with something like this. I believe this is the most reasonable bill out there when it comes to an earned pathway for those that contribute so much to our agriculture. And that's as a result of Democrats, Republicans, farmers and farm workers at the table for over eight months grinding away at this bill that was a compromise. You saw both sides give a little to get a little. That's the art of compromise, but it's also the art of legislation. And I have to say, unfortunately, a lost art that we actually found when it came to something so important as agriculture and immigration. And so um, I believe that it's something that people need to look at, not just in how to put forward an immigration bill, uh, how to deal with our farm workers and protecting them, uh, but also how you do legislation, to be frank. Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that I have to say that, but it makes me very proud that I was part of something that means so much to so many, and I do believe it's a model going forward that the Congress, Republicans and Democrats, looked at. That's why it passed on a bipartisan basis. The Senate needs to look at, and I'll even say this administration needs to look at it. If not, I look forward to having a new administration look at it and sign it into law. Are you satisfied with the revisions of the USMCA, or is this aluminum issue the first of several that you expect to surface? Look, I think that USMCA is beneficial to my number one industry here on the Central Coast, and that's our agriculture. You saw with the USMCA, you saw one of the most progressive hemispheric trade deals in the history of trade deals. And so I believe that, and I was proud of being on the Trade Subcommittee of Ways and Means and traveling to Mexico and meeting with President Omlo down there and basically having a conversations in a closed-door, small-room setting with Chairman Neal and the President of Mexico that basically we put forward a product that everybody should be proud of. Now, we need to do more work. We need to make sure that the enforcement standards are there. We need to make sure that the environmental standards are there uh, going forward. And I know that there has been some issues with that, but that's exactly why we're continuing to basically push for the type of enforcement standards are necessary to ensure the adequate protections of the workforce as possible. And that's exactly why we've, uh, I believe that you saw it pass on a bipartisan basis. Let's not let people down who are tempted to vote against this voted for it. And we need to do everything we can to make sure that those enforcement provisions are upheld, maintained, and uh, funded as well. Final question, what should we do with China? <laughs> 
Oh, man, look at that question. Look, um, I, I, I think we, we have to continue to be tough with China. There's no doubt about that, all right? But at the same time, you have to have a strategy. And I, you know, every time we get a chance to have the trade representative in on ways and means, the question inevitably comes up as it should come up is, when is phase two going to come about? And, uh, and I always ask, cause I want to come up and, and basically how are we dealing with the uh, sanitary phytosanitary standards as well? And will that be a part of it? But that being said, I think there needs to be more of a long-term strategy when it comes to dealing with China, especially when it comes to trade with China. Unfortunately, this administration, uh, they play very tough with China, but I think you, when you do that, you also got to have a strategy to get to the long run. It's funny, there was a uh, cartoon, I think I saw it in The Economist, where it basically had a figure representing China, a figure representing the United States, and they were both talking tough to one another, but then both had their legs up and their legs completely intertwined in a mess, and on each leg said, U.S. economy and Chinese economy. So it just tells you that we can talk tough, we can play tough, but you have to realize we're very intertwined with Chinese economy, just as they are with our economy, and therefore we have to have a long-term strategy as to how we deal with that. Congressman Panetta, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with us on this edition of Open Mic. It's been a joy. We look forward to the next opportunity. But the tradition of the program is you have the last word. (laughs) Well, look, Jeff, I, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity, and thank you for continuing to talk to members who continue to pride themselves on being from areas that produce agriculture and represent the people that work in agriculture, from farmers to farm workers. Like I said, it gives me great pride to uh, represent the people that work so hard that, that produce not just agriculture, but produce our food security. And so it takes all of us together to do it. And that's one of the many reasons why I like being the representative of, of the Central Coast, one of the many reasons why I like being on the Agricultural Committee. And I look forward to continuing to do that. And just promise me that you'll continue to talk about agriculture, promote agriculture, and more importantly, promote the people of agriculture. Our thanks to California 20th District Representative Jimmy Panetta, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance, an appreciation of the essential work performed every single day by farmers, ranchers, and everyone across the agriculture supply chain. For AgriPulse, I'm Jack Daly.